Welcome to the Lessons for Living television program. My name is Bill Santos. Thank you so much for watching. Well, on this week's program, we have once again our special guests, our regulars. Uh oh, we just, again, <laughs> oh, we just got promoted, man. That's yeah. right. Oh, we're regulars? Yeah, now? we're regulars now. That's I'm right. signing yeah. on. Does this pay a lot? No. No. <laughs> no, that's the one thing. It doesn't. It doesn't. Pastor Sean, Pastor Alex, welcome back. Thank you. We've enjoyed so much. I've, I've really appreciated all the discussion we've had, and I know our viewers, the feedback we're getting is quite positive about uh, your participation here. And so just want to thank you for that. And uh, wanted to dwell a little bit today and sort of pick your brains on. Oh, that won't take long. <laughs> on uh, Sean's a little empty up there. That's right. Well, what, that's yeah, right. well, you know what? That's, that's what his wife says. That's right. You do it with a teaspoon. <laughs> yeah. You know, as we look at, you know, the Christian church, particularly in the Western world, the challenge, I think one of the biggest challenges we face is, is portraying religion in a way in Jesus Christ that is relevant. You know, here's what I find, and I don't know if you guys see this in your neighborhood. You know, I have my neighbors, they know I'm a pastor, yep. and uh, they respect that. You know, I, I, there's still an element of respect in, in, in most places, right, for clergy, right? And, and so when we're out there working on our gardens or whatever, golfing with them, you know, four-letter word comes out, they make a point of turning around and, oh, sorry, you know. Sorry, pastor. Sorry, pastor, right, you know right. what I mean? And so they respect religion. They don't, they don't mock it. They just don't see a relevance for their life. Sure. Right, sure. I mean, it's great if it works for you yeah. and, that, and that helps you. That's great. And I'll fight for your right to worship and to be able to go and the government not restricting that. But there's no relevance for me. And what you find many times, it's when disaster enters the home. Yeah. That they run. And how, like, what, like you guys uh, must deal with that all the time as you travel yeah. the world and, and present your seminars and, you know, and. You know, yeah. I, I, think, I think that for, that, that for me, religion, uh, church, let's just say church has become a sit back, a sit back religion. We, we sit back, we, we, like to, we like to go to church. We like to sing the songs. We like to go through the motions. And, and then we sit in our pews waiting for Jesus to come. Mm. And the promise, of course, is that there will be a second advent. There will be a second coming. Jesus will come to take his people. But in the meantime, what are we supposed to be doing as a, as, as a people of God? And, and I think that that's where, that's where many have, have failed. Many, many Christians have, have, have fallen short. Um, there, was, there was some years ago that we, we had built this uh, this. Um, nice-sized church in a in a prominent town had a had a beautiful corner, a prominent corner in that in that in that town, and and we, yes, we've been through the building process for a while, um, but as soon as we were done, the the property across the street came up for sale. It was ten acres, and I I remember talking to our church clerk and saying, "Can you find out how much that is? I mean, how beautiful would that be? We can build a school, we can we can put a, a community center there. There's so much we can do in that particular corner." And so she did, and she she called back. She says it's four million dollars, and I said, four million? That's it? I mean, you know, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. All yes. the gold and all the silver is His. And so I said, let let let's buy it. And she was like, Pastor. That's that's a whole lot of money, but we, we looked into it and and, and you know, the church had had a, a lot of faith in in what they had built. It's an amazing amazing church, um, but it was just it was just difficult to get to the to the next to the next hump. And um, long story short, uh, we uh, we didn't get the property. We saw a, a notice, a city notice um, that uh, they were they were dealing with some zoning issues and. 
And when we read the notice, we realized that the largest liquor store in the in the county was going to go right across right the there, from across from our church, handy, and where we were going to put a school. Well, actually, that's that's funny that you say handy. Uh, so we went down there. We're like, man, we're going to put a school right near that. I don't know if that's the best place. And and so they gave us five minutes there at City Hall to or or this uh, this kind of meeting, City Hall meeting, and and we to to sort of make our point. The the time for objecting was already passed. Now they were just looking at a zoning issue, but they gave us five minutes. And so uh, the conference that we worked with, uh, the representatives came and made their their five minute appeal. And after it was all said and done. Those that were sitting on that city council board looked at each other and they said, well, at least when the when the parents go pick up their kids, they can drive by the liquor store and get their liquor and go home. And everybody just started started laughing. And and I remember walking out thinking to myself, we didn't have one one person supporting us in this meeting. Wow. Not not one. And I had to ask myself, why is that? And I realized that uh, as as wonderful as church had been as wonderful as, as building had been, and, and the church was growing. The one thing that we had not done is actually make ourselves relevant to the community. Right. And, and, I, and I, I've often thought that had we been in the community and become a staple in the community where they can depend on us, they, they you know, something happens, they were like, we know that These that church here, will be yeah. here. These are our friends. Yeah. It wouldn't have mattered if, if the, whole, the whole community had wanted that liquor store there because their friends didn't want it. Yes. They would have been on our side, right. but they weren't. And, and as I look at churches, you know, around uh, North America and in Canada, I see the very, the very same thing. There's very, there's very little happening in, in the community. I was, in fact, they, most people don't even know your church is there. Yes. I was just talking to, uh, to the pastors of the church that I, that I attend to when I'm, when I'm in town. And I said, do you know that I can go from one side of town to the other side of town and not even know that, that the church exists. Yeah. I don't see anything. There's nothing that tells me there's a church out here, that there's a caring church, that there's a right. family church, right. that, there's, that there's programming. There's nothing. The only thing that the community gets is once in a while, when they have some kind of program in the church, they'll mail the community, community and say, hey, come to this particular program. Right. But they've built no rapport. They've built, right. they, they've built no... no uh, no strings, no, uh, there's no process of, of, of making friends and relationships out there. And, and I think that that's one of our biggest, our biggest issues. When you look yeah. at Genesis chapter one, God said, let us make man in our image. The Godhead is in community. Right. When you look at Genesis chapter two, it's a fascinating story. God spends time with man. Then he puts man to sleep. God spends time with woman. Then he brings man and woman together. It's a unity of three. It's in, it's in community, but we have forgotten community. Yes. And I think that because of that, we, we are not very relevant at all yes. for, for the, the community. We can be, we have some of the best and greatest tools yes. um, that, that the community needs, but we're kind of like Israel. We're keeping, keeping, keeping them, it, Israel of old, yeah. you know, they keeping, keeping it, it to ourselves. our, to ourselves when yeah. the whole purpose is bless yeah. the world with, yeah. with what you have. And, and I think that that's one of the biggest yeah. problems we have. You know, uh, a guy that you and I both worked for in the past that is now deceased, yeah. Elder Dan Jackson yeah, yeah. used to say, uh, if your church burned to the ground, would anyone know? Would anyone mm. care? Right, no. Would anyone in your community care? It's true. And sadly, I think, you know, to add to that, I, I, I agree. We're invisible. Christians are invisible. But when they are visible, they're often visible for all the wrong That's right. reasons. Mm. What we do, what we love to do is come out of our hut once in a while and tell the world what they're doing wrong, and we're right and you're wrong, and go back inside. And it's like... Right. 
So really, why would anybody come? Why would I go to your church Sunday morning when the only thing I know about you is either you keep to yourself or B, you show up at a meeting to tell me what's wrong with I'm me. lost. Yeah, yeah, and it's true. And I know what it means to be lost. People are lost without yes. Christ. But the messaging we get, here, here's what I've often told churches. I said, look, do you understand that it's more important to be loving than it is to be right? Hmm. And in, people have said, no, Sean, you know, you gotta be right. I didn't say it's not important to be right. It's important to know what truth is. It's important to understand the scriptures. But where did Jesus place the emphasis? Right. There's an important story, you know, where it says, and I think it's John chapter four. I'm like the apostle Paul. I always have to say somewhere it is written. You notice he can't ever remember where. <laughs> but I think it's John chapter four. If it's not there, folks, it's in five or six, but I'm pretty sure four. And this is Jesus was going home to Galilee. And it says, he must needs, the old King James comes to mind, he must needs go through Samaria. He had to go through Samaria, I think of the ESV. And I don't want to argue with an inspired author of the Bible, John. You know, he's smarter than me, he wrote under inspiration, but that's not technically correct. You didn't have to go through Samaria to go home from Jerusalem. There was another road that everybody took. It was the long way around because they said, the Samaritans. I'm not going through there. The Assyrians planted those people <laughs> yeah. there. They had a compromised religion. They had a rewrite of the Old Testament. I still, there's still 1,100 Samaritans in this world today. Did you know that? Practicing yeah, wow. Samaritans. I have a copy of their scriptures. They did a little minor rewrite so that Mount Gerizim is now the holy mountain. And you'd be defiled if you went through there. So there was the long way around. It wasn't geographical necessity that made Jesus go through Samaria. It wasn't geographic. It was mm. people. There's a woman sitting there who's rejected by the community. She gets her water in the heat of the day because she's a homewrecker and doesn't want to gather water with the other women anymore. That's why Jesus had to go. She's there. And there's been this long sentiment for centuries among Christians, and I think it's correct, that before Jesus comes, we will see Jesus perfectly reprodu reproduced in the church. And what some Christians think is, well, then my behavior is going to be just perfect. I'm going to carry a clipboard with behavior on it. I don't swear and I don't... Like uh, the rich uh, young ruler. Yeah. Right. <laughs> check, 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 yeah. check. And we basically want to turn that around and say to God, look, aren't you lucky to have that's, me? That's right. And if I use the language God uses in the Old Testament, God answers, you smell bad. Yes. You stink. Yes. No, that's not what this is about. So then Jesus tells a story. A man beaten up on the way to Jericho. It's like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Jericho, of course they get beat up. And the, and, and, and the Pharisees are listening. And a, a Levite and a priest go by and don't help this guy who's beat up. And the Pharisees are delighted. They don't like priests and Levites. Of course they walked on the other side of the street. And the Pharisees were known for giving alms. That was their big thing. Help right. the poor, help the poor, help the poor. And they're waiting. Okay, there's always three parts to it. going to be the hero. Here comes, here comes the Pharisee. What does Jesus pull out of his hat? The Samaritan. The Samaritan. The Samaritan's theologically wrong. How dare he? It's more important to be loving than to be right. And Christians will say again to me, Sean, what? you have to be right. You know, of course you gotta be right, but it's more important to be loving. That's what Jesus was, more important. And I ask Christians, how right do you think you are? More right, okay. If, you, if your guardian angel showed up to give you a Bible study tonight on your spirituality, do you think you would do well? Hmm. Do you think you got it all right? Or do you think there's a lot to learn yet? I think if we were to have that attitude that Christianity began with, we were the low outcasts of Roman society. We were nobodies, but we loved. Yeah, we were right too, but we loved. And sometimes all we ever do is come out to prove how right we are, and we want to debate, and we want to argue, and we want, what if we loved people? What if we loved people? Wow. Yeah, you know, I, I, was, uh, I was looking at uh, lighthouses in, in Ireland, 
um, we, we had an opportunity to go to Ireland uh, um, back in November and in a couple of days there during the week where we didn't have appointments on the weekends, I, my wife and I just, just traveled uh, around the, the coast, the southern coast, going from lighthouse to lighthouse. And, and there was one that was off the beaten path, just, you know, way out. Um, you know, in fact, uh, the weather was so bad getting to it, uh, we, we almost turned around. But there was this, this hotel out in the middle of nowhere that we passed. And, and when I read the sign on there, it said that the hotel was closed because it was housing Ukrainians. Oh, okay. And, and I remember thinking to myself, I wonder if one of our churches would say, hey, we're, you know, we're, we're closed because we're housing Ukrainians. There's, I, I just don't know that they're, and, and I don't want to pick on, on I, I don't, I don't want to just blanket statement. No, the, churches the are doing churches. lots you know, right. There, there's a lot the that's point. happening. I love but, church. But are we willing to sacrifice? Yeah. Are we willing to sacrifice our facility? Are yeah. we, our manpower, our, our, our money, our funds, um, our, our time going into, you know, if it's not the Ukrainians, uh, but there's needs right in our, in our, in our, in our community right right now do we know what those what, what those needs are are we spending the time with the community trying to find, figure out you know where, where does it hurt and can this church is this church able to to help where where it where it hurts I, I think that we would see a lot more success in becoming relevant if if we were to take that kind of that kind of approach you know many many years ago i was i was i was out i had a f-150 i got a flat tire didn't have a spare, put my hand in my back pocket, didn't have my wallet, Did well before cell phones. Mm. It was the afternoon, I started walking down the street. First place I come to is a strip joint. <laughs> so I'm gonna go in, I'm gonna ask them to use the phone, I'm gonna call for help. I go in, I ask the bartender, can I use a phone? And he goes over to get, remember those days you have to go get the phone and right, yep. bring it over? Yeah, long cord came and, out of the uh, bar. I mean, I've never right. been in a bar. That's right. <laughs> so I hear this voice comes out of the darkness, what kind of a truck? And I, I said, sorry, what kind of a truck? I said, it's F-150. And out of the darkness comes this mountain of a man, right? And he says, come with me. And he takes me to the doors of the strip joint pulls out his car keys, gives me his keys. Says, take this car, it's my car, take it down the street here, make a left, you see a body shop, go in, speak to so-and-so, ask him to get you the tires, the tire out of the such and such a car, and that'll fit your, your truck. I'm like, what? Mm -hmm. He goes, take my car and go. A stranger gives you his car keys. My car keys, I said, you're just gonna give me your car keys? He says, what, are you gonna steal my car? Well, no, he says, I got nothing to worry about. And I go there where he tells me, I get the tire, I take it back, put it on my truck, drive his car back, I don't have my wallet. I go, dude, this is going to sound like a story, but I don't have my wallet. I can't pay you. So I don't want any money. I said, well, wait a second. Like, so I went back the next day. I made a note of where it was. I went back. He wouldn't take any money. I ended up going to Tim Hortons and buying him some, you know, some coffee and donuts for his staff because that was the only way. And so I, that happened. That's got to be more than 40 years ago. I think about that story almost every day hmm. because I think in my church, if someone had showed up at my church and said, listen, my car broke down, would I be willing to hand them the car, my car keys? Yeah. And say, here, take my car and go solve your problem. And then when, you, when, you know, when it's all solved, just, just come back. Like, I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I'm almost embarrassed to tell that. It, yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Because that's not what you expect coming out of a strip joint. That's what you expect coming no. out of a church. 
Yeah, I actually, I'm glad the story went the way it was. I Suddenly I thought, <laughs> the strippers are going to help him change the tire. That's what's going to happen here. Yeah, no, but you're but, right. So often, you know, people go to the bar. The bartender's often their pastor. Yes. It's their pastor. And we're not doing, here's, I think, one of the issues that we've had in the 20th century leading into the 21st is we've tried to remake God in our image over and over and over again. In the 60s, he's a liberation fighter in the jungles of, we sign him up for whatever our cause. In the 80s, he's a Wall Street tycoon. Then he's a social justice warrior. Then he's a communist. You know, that was in the, one of the last, more recent American presidential elections. They were comparing the social, he's just like Jesus. And it's, we keep remaking. But what if we were trying to remake our church in his image? In his, right. Right? Mm. We're supposed to be recapturing the image of God among God's people, not the other way around. We keep remaking, we sign up Jesus for every cause we want, and he's trying to sign us up for his cause. And again, that's what you've just proved. You remember that. How do most people remember? To, what's the number one story people get? And I get it. Everybody loves to be down on churches, and you have to take it with a grain of salt. But what's the number one story you get? I went to a church, and they, right. and what's the next thing you expect to hear? Bad news. Yes. Yeah. They were rude to me. They were rude. Yes. They didn't they talk judge to me. me. They, they just, yeah. 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 And well, think, you know, it, it's fascinating because you, you talked about the, the Samaritan, and then you, we have the story of of, uh, of Elijah, and and he's he's swept away to 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 the to the widow, and uh, she's taken care of of and and Jesus himself. I've not I've not found such great faith in 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 his. Why is it? Why is it that the great faith and the great acts like this have to be found outside of the church? Well, you would normally think they would be. Yeah. Why, why, why can't they be yeah. inside of the church? That's what we've been called to do. We've been called to sacrifice for, for those that, that, that are out there, those that are in need. That's what Jesus came to do, to seek and to save that, that which was lost, to, 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 to heal the brokenhearted, to, to free the captives. Uh, you know, we talk about uh, abolition. Well, the entire book of the Bible is, is, is an abolitionist book. You know, that's what Jesus came to do, to free yes. the captive. What if we had the same, the same desire, the same passion, mm -hmm. our desire, is to free men and women from the captivity of the things that are holding them down. And, and look around, look, turn on the news. It's, it's, it's a mess, we're, we're broken, we're so broken. Yes. And here we have the, the, the Bible itself, the, the answers to all this brokenness, and yet we, we're holding it tight. Yes, hold it tight because we need it for ourselves, but we've gotta get out yeah. there and share it. Yeah, the prodigal son wanted to leave the presence of his father because he wanted freedom. Yeah and then realizes that he's enslaved out in the world right. and freedom is found back in the back loving in the embrace father. of his father's house, yeah. in his Amen. father's house. Fascinating, you know that American slaveholders in the 19th century wanted, people said the slave should have a Bible. They had to rewrite it. They had to cop, cut two, I have a copy of it. They had to cut two thirds out because otherwise the slaves would get the idea that they should be free. Wow. Mm. They had to trim two thirds of the Bible out. And today people think Christians are oppressive. It's our behavior that's doing it. It's not what's in that book. The book's not oppressive. They wouldn't let slaves read it because they would, they would hope for liberty if they did. Interestingly enough, the whole book of Exodus is practically gone. <laughs> that's, <laughs> it's practically gone, yeah. But, but that's, that's true, that, that the entire book has been designed to, to, to set us free from the chains that hold us. And, and yeah, I can see it. Anybody that would read that and, and read the whole thing, which is what we've been talking about, you know, read yeah. the entire thing, you'll see that there is freedom on the wings of, of what Jesus has to offer. I think, Sean, you hit, you know, where you say where there's an inconsistency between what we say and how we live. Oh, yeah. Right? We love to debate theology. 
Like we love to talk theology. You know, I, I've often thought, I wonder if one of the reasons why Paul was, had so much impact was that there was this coherence between how he lived his life yeah. and the messages that he spoke. Like when, right. when people heard him speak, yeah. they knew this guy lives this. Like this is not just from the mouth you know, out. It's, this is his life. This is how he Paul had it. a, and, and Paul, of course, is out there working with them yeah. as, yes. as a tent maker. Yes. So he's, he's, he's one of them. And, and we have found that that's, that's the greatest impact that an individual can make. You're sweating out there with yes. them. You're working side by side. You're, you're feeling, even, even Jesus uh, on, on, the, on, on the road to Emmaus, walking with, with these individuals, he's, he's walking the same walk. He's yes. talking the same talk. He's tripping over the same stones. Yes. There's, there's this building of community when you walk it together, uh, can we do the same thing? Yeah, yeah. I tell you, um, again, you know, it's, we're so worried that if we're not right about everything, we're not modeling God. The whole point of the Bible is you're broken. Right. You're broken. What if we could be honest at church? Now, I'm not into let's rehearse every sin I've ever committed. I don't like giving the devil right. free airtime for the way he ruined my life. That's right. right. But at the same time, why can't we admit we're all there because we're broken? And there's only one man who's never sinned, only one. And it's not me, it's Jesus. That honesty would go so far. I, I, I have a perfect, I have one of my very best friends who won't see this show. She's in another country. She's dying. She left church years ago because she left her husband. And she left her husband because he was kicking the stuffing out of her with steel-toed boots every night. And finally, for the sake of her kids, left. And on church, because we know God's will is for marriages to, to survive. But Jesus said, because of the way the world is, sometimes this happens. They called her, a, 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 I'll clean it up, called her a prostitute from the front of the platform for ending her marriage at the front of the church. Mm. Never been back since. She's dying now and she's come back to Christ. I pray with her every week and um, it's more important. Yeah. yeah, the ideal is a healthy marriage. They don't all make yes. it, Jesus said so. They don't all make it and sometimes it has to end. It's more important to be loving than to be right. Well, years ago when I was at It Is Written, yeah. I was at the airport here in Toronto waiting on a guest that was arriving for a fundraising weekend we were doing. And I'm just standing there waiting. And a uh, police officer comes over on one of those segways. Okay. And he asked me, what am I doing here? And I'm thinking, why would he single me out of all the people that are here? What is it about me that was suspicious? And I said, well, I'm, I'm waiting for a gentleman that's coming from South Africa. He's gonna speak at a fundraising. He said, what do you do? I said, I'm a pastor. He says, what church? I said, well, I have a television program. He said, I said, it is written. He goes, oh, the George Vanderman program. No kidding. Huh. I said, well, you, how do you know the George Vanderman program? Yeah. It was, the, you know, the original, right? Yeah. And he said, oh, I, uh, I grew up in a church that, you know, frequented a church here very close by. I said, wow, what church? He said, he gave the name of the church. It was a Seventh-day Adventist church. And he said, I said, wow, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist pastor. Look at that. Of all the people you were drawn to me. So what was that experience like for you? He says, it was great until my parents divorced and nobody ever called us ever again. Oh, mercy. Amazing. Yeah, again. And I said, Dude, are, they, are they right? Yeah. Is it better? You know, yeah, does it, God want right. the marriage right. to succeed? Yeah. Yes, that's right. But yeah. what is God asking us to be in this world? Yeah. Salt and light. Exactly right. Be the Samaritan. We got 30 seconds left. Ah, that's because Alex was so yappy again. <laughs> well, I, I think in the, the love. Yeah. The, the love. I think that's what it boils down to at the end of the day. And, and that's why we're all Christians, right? That's right. He loved us, and because he loved us and, and showed us what real love is, that's right. That's the love we wanna we want to gravitate to, to and we gotta else. share it to others. That's right. Thank you, guys. Let's Thank pray. You. 
Heavenly Father, we just ask that um, as we contemplate your love and your goodness, that your Holy Spirit will just operate in our lives, that we may share that with others and that mm -hmm. they may see that love in our lives and be drawn to you. That is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we've come to that time in our program where we have our book offer. And on this broadcast, we have this wonderful little book called Words of Hope. We'd love to send it to you as a gift from Lessons for Living Television. There's no cost and there's no obligation whatsoever on your part. If you're interested in receiving Words of Hope, pay close attention to the information we're about to provide you. To receive today's free offer, you can log on to the Lessons for Living Television website www.l4ltv.com That's the Lessons for Living Television website www.l4ltv.com You can also write us at Post Office Box 27030 Simcoe Conlon Post Office Oshawa, Ontario L1G 0A3 And we would be happy to send the offer out to you That's Post Office Box 27030 Simcoe Conlon Post Office Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. If you live in Canada, this offer will be sent out to you free and postage paid. For viewers living outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you wish, you could order this offer by calling our 1-800 number and speaking with one of our volunteers at 1-800-972-0337. 1-800-972-0337. Operators are standing by now. While on our website, you can leave a prayer request, and if impressed to do so, donate to help keep this ministry on the air. Thank you for your support. Well, we've come to the end of another program. I want to thank Pastor Sean, Pastor Alex for joining us. Hey, tell us what's going on in Calgary right now. Some exciting stuff yeah, going on. Yeah, we started just a couple of days ago, April 14. We're at the Wind Sports Center. We're doing a, a, a free seminar called Revelation Speaks Peace. Uh, you've already missed two nights, but I'll catch you up if you show up. You can still reserve a seat or just come on down and uh, 7 p.m. at the Windsport Arena. What are you talking about and tonight? Tonight is going to be uh, the Battle of Armageddon. What does the Bible say? What does it not say? And what I'll do is I'm going to show you how the first century would have read Revelation 16. We're going to learn some basic principles of how to read these ancient apocalyptic books, how a first century audience would have read them, and the tools you need to make it make perfect sense in this day and age. And we're going to go to Revelation 16, the Battle of Armageddon, and we're going to apply the tools we've learned so that by the end of it, you'll be able to tell me what it's talking about, how it fits, how it makes sense, what's really going on in this world. Going to be a war in the Middle East? You're going to have to come to find out, you know. Is going to, somebody going to drop a nuke over? You're going to have to come to find out. Is Armageddon going to be the next pandemic? You're going to have to come to find out, you know. I'm not going to tell you over. I want you to come down to the Windsport Arena. If you're in the Calgary area, you won't be sorry. I promise you, you'll learn more about the Bible in a few nights than you've learned up till this period, probably. Excellent. We encourage everyone to attend. RevelationSpeaksPeace.com right. is the website where you can reserve your seat and make sure there's space there for you. We are all out of time. Remember to visit our website, l4ltv.com. There will be a link on the previous programs tab page uh, to revelationspeakspeace.com where you can get more information on the ongoing seminars. Want to remind you also of Instagram. Follow me on Instagram every morning, 6.30 a.m. Eastern Time. 
a one-minute devotional video goes out, you're going to want to start your day focused on things of heaven. MissionNowCanada.com is the website that uh, covers some of the overseas humanitarian work that we do. Check that out. You may want to join us on an upcoming mission trip. We are all out of time. Thank you so much for watching. We hope to have you back with us again next time. God bless you. We'll see you then. Thank you.